Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, how do you even talk about what just happened on Sunday in Orchard Park? My goodness. Um, I know I've never been a part of something like that. Rarely have ever seen something like that. If it wasn't the Bills, I would have said, I can't believe what I just watched. Sal Capaccio here, Matt Bove. You feel the same way, Matt? I mean, you ever seen anything like that? You ever been a part of anything like that? Yeah, it's weird because I think around the country today, around the world, people are going to be talking about that as the best game of the year. Rightfully right. so. It was back forth. It was unbelievable. Here in Buffalo, you can't enjoy it because they lost and they collapsed it away. It was an epic collapse. They were up 17 points late in the third quarter and they still lost the game. They had multiple different opportunities to put this game away and they weren't able to do so. So really, really just tough, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching loss for the Bills yesterday. Here's a question. What's more of a kick in the gut? The loss to the Minnesota Vikings yesterday or the loss to the Cardinals on the Hale Murray play? We were talking about this after the game. I think this one's worse. Mm, I think this one is probably worse because a it's at home and the manner in which you blew it, they didn't make a play, right? They didn't make a play. The bills kind of blew it. And if you go back to that uh, Cardinals one, the bills actually weren't a good spot. They lost and everything was kind of like, all right, well, we're still having a really good season. Now it's spiraling a little bit, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this puts the bills at six and three, which by the way, I want to remind everybody they were six and three last year at this point. And then they even only won one of their next four games. They were seven and six at one point, right? So it's not doomsday. We can talk about that later. But I think it's this one. Um, there's there's been a lot of different ways this team has lost games. You stick around long enough, you'll see it. Um, I've saw I've seen people comparing it to drought era losses. I don't, Matt. I mean, in the drought era, you'd lo- lose a game like that and say, why can't we have nice things? We can never win a game. And let's look ho- ahead to the draft. In this, it's boy. I mean, you know, what do you got to do? You wake up, you're still six and three. Everything's still in front of you. It just it's a it's a missed opportunity. And I think that's the point what you just made, which is. Lots of missed opportunities to put this away. Three weeks in a row, they didn't put games away. One, they won, Green Bay. The other two, they lost, the Jets and now the Vikings, where they should have been able to put the game away earlier. Two double-digit leads blown, Jets and Vikings, and they didn't do it. Why is this? What's happening? Well, Josh Allen isn't playing as well as he's capable of playing. He's not even playing well. He's playing poorly. And it's okay. I tweeted this yesterday. It is okay to criticize Josh Allen. And that does not mean you think that Josh Allen isn't good. I still think that Josh Allen is very good. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. One of the best players in the NFL. He is not playing like it right now. And there were decisions yesterday that were made that cost the team. Honestly, a win. He knows it. 
you're listening to this, you probably know it. It's okay to be critical. The fumble is the first one that we're going to start with. I mean, they just don't fumble the fumble and they get out of the end zone. They gain a half of a yard or they don't even gain anything because it was short. You win the game. They couldn't do that. What I think is happening is he's so Josh is so focused on trying to get a push, trying to get a jump because he maybe doesn't trust that the offensive line is going to, that he's not focusing on the exchange, which obviously is a mistake. Then you have the two interceptions. The second one way worse than the first one. The first one still isn't good. I know a lot of people have pointed out that it's the same play that happened in Baltimore. You throw the, you throw it up because you have to, it's fourth down. You have to throw it there, but then the interception happens and it's a huge swing of 25 yards, a field position. It's a bad play. It's not, Oh my God, mind numbing egregious. The interception in overtime, I have no idea. I just, I don't get why the throw was made. I don't get the decision-making. There was a check down available to Singletary. I mean, he's feeling it. And that's another point, like to your thing about the drought, he was feeling it at that point. Like he got them all the way down there. This is different from a drought game because they, they hung around even after they squandered it away. Like even after they fumbled in the end zone, they marched down the field. They get in a field goal range because of some great plays from Josh Allen. They kick a field goal. Then in overtime, they get all the way down the field and then they make it like they give you the, the tease. Oh, they're going to win. Josh is going to throw a game winning touchdown. I thought it was going to happen on the play before to Dawson Knox. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a bad mistake. And the one thing that's really concerning to me is so this is six interceptions for Josh Allen in the last three games. So the Packers, the Jets, and the Vikings, most of those interception interceptions are happening near the red zone. They're happening where, where, where by the way, he was amazing for the first four and a half years of his career. Like they're making mistakes when they're, cl- when they're taking points away, it was yeah. the first right. interception against the jets. It was one of the interceptions against the Packers. It was both interceptions yesterday. Like they are taking points off the board because of turnovers in the red zone. Uh, Josh Allen is going to take, I mean, he's taking accountability for that. Also Ken Dorsey, Look, they, they got to figure something out. There's just not guys open the way that they should be. There wasn't on the last play besides Singletary. I know it's a check down he should make, but yeah, it's just, I mean, there's, there's so many things, but it starts and ends with number 17. Yeah. And um, I think the Dorsey point is a good one. Like I didn't have a problem. And if, if you did, we can discuss it or we can both be on the same page here and just move on. But I didn't have a problem with going for the touchdown on the fourth and two that Josh threw the first interception. I mean, it was a two possession game, even if you kick a field goal. So might as well make it a three possession game. How long have we sat here and said, come on, like be, d- get the kill shot, go for it. You know, just get the two yards. The issue I had was you only needed two yards, Matt. You didn't mm-hmm. need to go for the one that he threw away that ultimately wound up being an interception. They could have just had a designed run for two yards, maybe. Uh, from Josh, they could have had a check down. They could have had a swing pass, a little out route to me. That's what you do to get the two yards and you keep the drive alive and you're driving and take more time off the clock and then eventually score. So just want to make sure, did you have an issue with that? No, I liked it. And I know a lot of people hated it. I'm in a group message. They hated it because they hated it because they didn't get it. Yeah. They mean, if, it. If, if, if they get the, if they score the touchdown, nobody complains. It's I, I said my justification when it happened was if you get it, 
then you go up and it's a three possession game. If you don't, it's a two possession game. You know, like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? If you kick the field goal, it's a two yeah. possession game. If Already you was. don't get it, it's a two possession game. Nothing there changes. It's easy with hindsight to go, they kicked a field goal and they lost by three points. Everything changes if they kick that field goal. That was the most stupid football game that's ever been played. You can't have that hindsight in a game where there was a fourth and goal stop at the half yard line, then a fumble on the next play, and then a field goal. Like, listen, honestly, the the missed extra point probably benefited the Vikings because they didn't rest to try and get a field goal at the end of the game. They had to go for the touchdown, and then all of a sudden, everything happened to put the ball to build to one yard line. So all of that confluence of events was actually kind of crazy. And I said that on the radio broadcast. I'm like, you know, it's kind of funny. You missed the extra point. Now you're going to be more aggressive if you're Minnesota, and they ultimately were, and we know, and the Bills stopped them. And then instead of that, but let's go back to the other decisions and what you're talking about, the red zone stuff. I agree with you. Now, look, if you take them individually, the interceptions you're talking about, he had one against the Packers where he was trying to throw it away and it came out of his hand wrong or something, whatever Alexander picked it off. That's I guess going to happen, but still not great. He had one against the jets where he just said, I didn't see the defensive end. I had a, uh, I didn't see the the linebacker. The defensive end was in my face. That can happen. And then you have this one, uh, the one that the first one where he's just throwing it away. So individually you can kind of explain a lot of it, but the problem is they're just piling up. Now all of these little explanations here or there, it's now a lot like you said, points you're taking off the board and decision-making and scheming guys open and everything that comes into focus. Now, where is the tight end in the red zone? If you remember back in 2020, I think it was because pandemic year, there were, I remember nobody at the stadium and every time they'd score a red zone touchdown, it was a tight end, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, Dawson Knox. These guys were catching tight end uh, touchdown after touchdown. I mean, Dawson Knox from 20 yards out, I guess, you know, he has a couple, but I don't see that anymore. I don't see that. What, something's going on in the red zone where they're not able to find a solution to get guys free and open. And I don't know if it's necessarily just Josh or Josh not having those opportunities. Also, this isn't just a a yesterday thing. This is an all year thing. They've struggled in the red zone the entire season. And even when the offense was putting up crazy points earlier in the year, it was from massive deep place. It was from yeah. big touchdowns, explosive plays. They just have no cohesion in the red zone. It never feels like it, it feels like that way. Quite honestly, on short yarded situations in general, like I'm more confident that the bills are going to pick up a third and 15 or a fourth and 15 than I am that they're going to pick up a third and two. And that's concerning, but that's just the reality of it. And then going back to the fourth down decision, it's never Minnesota's guilty of this two in the game yesterday, but you had second and two from the seven yard line and you passed, you yes. passed and you passed. And I am never going to be one that criticizes how much you're using Josh Allen. He's your best player. Even when he's not playing bad, playing as well, he's still your best player. You can't pick up two yards with a rush on any of those plays. And also like, where's Naheem Hines? I understand that it's only been 10 days since they traded for him. He doesn't need the entire playbook to be able to get out onto the field. It didn't take Christian McCaffrey a week and a half to go out there and just get a couple of snaps. It's not like this guy needs to know the entire playbook, but he should have a couple more snaps offensively. I mean, they're giving Duke Johnson the ball a couple times yesterday. I'm not knocking Duke Johnson. It's just, man, I thought Naheem Hines would be a weapon that you could utilize, especially in the red zone, because he can do a little bit of everything and they just didn't do it. First drive of the fourth quarter, Bills are still up by four, and they have the ball and take 
one minute off the clock by throwing. They threw a swing pass that kept the clock moving. Then incompletion and incompletion. There was a false start in there too, by the way, to your point of not getting two yards. How about just running the ball to run the clock down a little bit, you know, in that situation, even if you don't get a first down, which obviously you want to. And Matt, they ran the ball really well in the first half, even outside of Josh, Devin Singletary ran the ball. Well, they had no semblance of a running game in the second half. Didn't even attempt to try and run. And when they did, they couldn't do it. I think the fumble scared him away. I think Singletary's fumble scared him away from running the ball because it looked like they were really trying to get something going on the ground. And then Singletary has the fumble. And then they really just didn't try and run the ball after that, unless it was with Josh Allen. When they did, they were handing it to Duke Johnson a couple times. Hines, I don't think had any handoffs yesterday. So yeah, it's just, I have never been somebody who has been like, okay, you need to establish the run. You need to run the football but I'm starting to get there a little bit. I don't ever think that you need to run the ball 20, 25 times a game, but when you've got a 17 point lead, you should be able to run the ball at least a little bit and they can't. And that's concerning. You have to control the game in certain situations with the run game. That's what you have to do. And and they weren't able to do that. All right. Uh, We failed to mention 33, 30 final score Vikings beat the bills in overtime, a thriller in orchard park. We keep referring to yesterday. We're here talking about it on a Monday. So when you're, by the time you hear this, uh, you know, you'll know a little bit more information about injuries coming out of the game and things like that. But let's talk about the defense now. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Matt. I mean, I, some of the plays that were made in this game by Justin Jefferson were just incredible. He is yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. The Bills also should have stopped a couple of those plays, including obviously the fourth and 18 that Cam Lewis should have knocked down. Just knock it down. He he said it in the locker room. He used a lot of F-bombs and expletives to talk about it, criticizing himself, but he said it and he's right. Just knock the ball down. I also want to question Cam Lewis starting at safety, not having help on that play necessarily. Like there's a lot of, a lot of things to question about, you know, the defensive scheme and coverage and what they're doing with some of their injuries. And heck I'll even ask where's Tredavious white right now. This that's, team, that's the big one. It's Trey white. I get it. I don't know what the deal is. Even Trey white in his first game in almost a year would have done a better job with Justin Jefferson. Those plays, some of them are happening, but all of them are not happening. They did not have an answer yesterday to an elite number one wide receiver, and that cost them. Justin Jefferson looked like the best wide receiver in the world yesterday. He might be anyway, but he destroyed the Bills. They had absolutely no answers for him. Same thing, they really missed Jordan Poyer. Yeah, like, that play doesn't happen with Jordan Poyer out on the field. Agreed. Also, they're six and zero with Jordan Poyer, and they're zero and three without Jordan Poyer. 
So talk about contract negotiation leverage. If you're sitting there in your Jordan Poyer's camp, I don't care about the, you know, your age or your injuries at this point, you're sitting there and saying like, listen, you win when he's out there and you lose when he's not, that's something to be concerned. Also, there's going to be a lot of people who roll their eyes to this, but it's very interesting that they were doing really well when Tremaine Edmonds was on the field. And then when he was off the field, then they started to get gashed and just destroyed. That's something to keep in mind when you're talking about Tremaine Edmonds and how replaceable he is. Maybe he's not because they only gave up 10 points with Tremaine Edmonds on the field. And then they gave up 23 without him on the field. <laughs> so defensively, everybody always wants to find somebody or something to blame. That's just human nature. And Josh is going to take most of the blame because he's the face of the franchise. He threw the interception on the last play. And quite frankly, he probably deserves more blame than any one individual person, but defensively just, I don't understand what changed from the time of the last couple minutes in the third quarter till the end of over to you. They made a couple timely stops. So I will give them that like they held Minnesota on the goal line stand at the end. That should have won them the game. They also held them in overtime just to a field goal. So they get some credit there, but I can't give them too much praise because they still did allow an 81 yard touchdown run to Delvin cook. They allowed Minnesota to move down the field with ease multiple times. Like those are things that's con- that are concerning. They did a nice, did a couple of nice goal line stands obviously, at the yeah. end of regulation and at the end of overtime at the first possession of overtime for Minnesota did a really nice job in between. Um, they allowed too much. And like you said, what changed? I think the 81 yard changed it. It really did. I think for some reason, 81 yard run, uh, even Von Miller spoke about it after the game. He said they were doing a really good job up to that point. I looked at the numbers. I actually wrote it down. I think he had Dalvin cook at like 13 yards up until that point. Like they did nothing running. They had several yard stops for losses. And then all of a sudden 81 yard run. Um, and yeah, because he didn't, he didn't even have over hundred yards after that run, which is crazy. It was in end of the third quarter that kind of changed everything. It changed the complexion of the game. And you know, when you can't, when you get in this rhythm of, or rut of, you can't do certain things like closing out games. And then another team starts to creep in a little bit. It, it starts to creep into your mind. And that's another thing that I'm, I'm wondering if this team, you know, it's been so mentally strong over the last, you know, couple of years, several years with Sean McDermott. Stefan Diggs said, even though Von Miller talks about not blinking, maybe we blinked. And I I think that's a little bit concerning that this team's starting to have that creep in a little bit where even the players are saying, maybe we blinked. Are they as mentally strong as they have been? And what we're used to seeing, because I do think that played a factor like, Oh my God, here we go again. And by the way, against a team that they know has been known to win games like this. Like this is what Minnesota does. They come back. They make plays in the second half. They make plays in the fourth quarter. We have not been doing that. Everything's coming together. You get a little tight. You grip the football a little harder. You make tough decisions. And that's the result. Yeah, I think it's a factor. I think it's poor execution. I think it's poor. I think they've been outcoached in the second half and they've just kind of been outplayed by these teams. And I don't know what needs to change, but it's such a stark difference from what we saw at the beginning of the season, because look at the games that they won that were close. The Baltimore game, they were great in the second half. They come back, they win the game. The Chiefs game, they were much better in the second half. They win the game late. They win a close game. We can kind of finally put to bed the, okay, they lose close games. They didn't at the beginning of the year. Now they are, they have three losses on the season by a combined eight 
points. I'm not saying that as an excuse for this team. I'm saying that as a man, you had opportunities in all of these games. The Jets game is probably the one that was like, okay, yeah, you should have lost. But the Miami game, they've got chances to go ahead. Then they block the punt. Then they can't get down the field and kick a field goal, which would have won. They only lost that game by two, remember? And then yesterday, you there were four or five different plays that we could point to yesterday and say, if that happened different, the Bills win the game. And they weren't able to do it. And because we're more specifically talking about defensively here, it's a fourth and 18. And you still give it up to Justin Jefferson. And I understand it was a circus catch. It was unbelievable. Cam Lewis just knocked the ball down. Just it, you knock the ball down. The game's done. The 81 yard play to Dalvin cook that changed everything. I don't know who it was. I'd have to go back and look at the uh, replay. Somebody took a terrible angle on that play. I, it was the safety or the corner. He gets through the hole, probably is five yards past the line of scrimmage at this point, And somebody just took an atrocious angle. He just skirts right by them. He went 81 yards untouched. And yeah, it's just also where's Dean Marlowe. Like Cam Lewis played fine, but you traded for Dean Marlowe because you trusted him as a depth option at safety. And it's weird to me that Cam Lewis is the guy who you use in his first ever start at safety as opposed to Dean Marlowe. I get it. Maybe he doesn't have the playbook fully or yeah, it's just, it's weird. And the Tredavious white thing is really strange because I thought he was going to play last week. I thought he was going to play this week. It's at home. You could have really sheltered the amount of snaps that he needed to take. And he's still not out there. And they won't say anything on it. They've given really no clarity. Just he's not ready. Right and I mean, and I want, is it, is it, he feels he's not ready. Is it the coaching staff feels he's not ready. The training staff feels he's not ready. He's on the active roster. They're eating the roster spot. It's been two games now. They've eaten a roster spot by making him a inactive and inactive, a healthy scratch essentially. So I don't get it. And, and I think at some point, you know, we're going to have to, it's, we're coming up in a full year. It will be a full year on Thanksgiving or maybe a day yes. before or after, because it was, you know, Thanksgiving was a different day last year. Um, I don't know. Maybe that was always the timeline in his head. I'll wait a whole year. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to assume it's on him or them or whoever it is. I know this when we watch him at practice, he looks fine. He's a full participant in practice and he went through a rigorous workout before the jets. I was down there in the field and watched that. He was, he was like a boxer coming out of the ring. I mean, he was going through a really tough workout and he looked great. And he was in great spirits. He was smiling. He was talking to people. So just wondering, you know, what's going on there. All right. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Real quick. Um, you don't think they should have taken the safety anyway, right? I mean, they just what is a they would have had to punt from their 20 and give the ball to Minnesota with about 30, 35 seconds left. Minnesota would have had it probably and needed a field goal to win, but they probably only only needed about 25, 30 yards. Yeah, no, I don't think they should have taken the okay. safety. I think that's the worst case, though. That's yeah. the thing that's so concerning to me is right. because even if that's in the back pocket, then you punt the ball away. You try and stop them a couple plays because I don't think at that point they would have had any timeouts. They, maybe they had one timeout. But, yeah, it's just that's that's mind boggling to me. Even the lack of creativity. They run that play all the time. That quarterback sneak on like third and one or third and inches or fourth and inches. You hit the nail on the head. I think the he, you have the, the, the bottom line is you have to get the snap first, no matter what. Yeah. Even if you could push back for a safety, get the snap. It's concerning that he doesn't, uh, he's never going to say this, but all indications are that they don't trust the line to get any push whatsoever. 
Well, I will tell you this, working with, with, you know, Eric Wood at center and all that, he's talked about this before. Like in that situation, it is tough. These guys are diving at your legs as a center. Like you got to get it. You know it. You're trying to, uh, it, it's, there's a lot going on down there. Cause they're diving at the ball. They're diving at your legs and Mitch put it on him, right? He, Mitch said, anytime there's that it's on me. I don't know if that's the case necessarily. Maybe there is something to, maybe the snap wasn't as good because Mitch is worried about guys diving at him. Right. I mean, I, I think we have to leave the possibility that it's not just Josh, not securing the snap. Maybe it didn't no. come up exactly the way, you know, that he's used to having it. So there was a lot going on in that play. All right. Always game day in Buffalo. Let's talk big picture. All right, Matt. So I was looking this morning. Bills are third place in the AFC East. Not good. We know that <laughs> um, they are the five seed. I'm sorry, the six seed in the AFC overall. They also have played the toughest schedule in the AFC. The only team that's played an over 600 win percentage schedule against opponents. Yeah. Second toughest in the NFL, by the way, only behind Detroit, which is very close. And I will remind everybody, they were six and three at this point last year. And then they only won one of their next four to go seven and six, to be quite honest. So it's not doomsday. We know that. Oh, we've been in the spot before last year. We're sitting here saying the same thing against Jacksonville against Indy last year. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. It kind of felt a little like a similar feeling. Oh my God, where's this team going? What are they doing? Everything was still in front of them. Look, the chiefs lose one game. The bills win one game. They're back in number one spot in the AFC. I mean, they could still, they still have to play the jets and the dolphins and beat them. There's a lot of ifs. I get it. I just want to paint the picture that there's a lot going wrong here. There's still a lot that is going right that they need to capitalize on and Everything they want is still in front of them. Yeah, I think that your optimism and what I'm going to try and say will hopefully help some people. But I think the thing that's keeping everybody so bitter and so panicked is the play of Josh Allen. Because if they had just lost this game and it was a ho-hum game and whatever, even if they lose the game in overtime and they don't touch the ball, Minnesota scores a touchdown. I think a lot of people would have been like, man, it's just unlucky, the bad play, whatever. But because it ended with another interception, because there's been three straight games of interceptions, I think people are really concerned. And I think it's pointing out flaws to this team. I really do. But I think you have to look at the teams they've lost to. You also have to look at the people they've been missing. I mean, they've been doing this still without Tredavious White, arguably their best defensive player. Jordan Poyer, one of their best defensive players yesterday in the second half for Maine Edmonds. I am not making injuries an excuse. And Micah Hyde's been out. And Micah Hyde's been out. It is going to be out. And Greg Rousseau, your number two defensive end, didn't play yesterday. I am not making excuses for them. They have missed those players. They will be better with those players on the field. The three teams they've lost to, as Sal alluded to, have a combined record of 21 and seven. They're good teams. You should have beat all three of them. And you lost one one by three, another by three, another by two. Yes. Eight points. Eight points. Eight points. So 21 and seven, you've lost those games by a combined eight points. Never again do I want to hear that the Bills can only win blowouts because when you win blowouts, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff. And that was something that was actually something that was talked about earlier in the season. So listen, they have flaws. They need to be better. Their MVP caliber quarterback is not playing anywhere remotely close to an MVP right now. That doesn't mean that he won't later in the year. I trust that they will get it right. I don't know why. It's just, you look at their history These things have happened to this team time and time again, where they go on these little mini skids and usually they respond. Well, I do not want to see this slip any further. 
I mean, they lose to Cleveland next week. Then we can have the panic mode crisis. This team is a wild card team. I still don't think they're that. Also, if the season ended today, I understand you do not want to be in this position. The entire goal for the whole season was get the one seed, make teams come to Orchard Park, and you feel really good about your chances. If the season ended today, you know where they would go without looking it up? Miami. already looked this up? No. They'd go to Tennessee. Oh. I think most Bills fans are signing up for a trip to Tennessee in the first round. I think they'd rather, of course, not play in the first round, but I do think that you could probably go into Tennessee and, you know, beat them. You beat them 41-7 earlier in the year. I think you're going to beat them again. Yeah, I think, Matt, at the end of the day, we focus so much on the one seed. This team has focused so much on one seed. They wanted it last year. They want it this year. Win games. The rest will take care of itself. Win the division. You got to beat your division teams. You still have all of that in front of you. They can do that. By the way, I know we keep talking about Josh's struggles. He was 67% on 43 passes, and he did account for 418 yards. Did he really struggle that much? I don't think he did. I think he made a couple of bad decisions. Yeah, I mean, the the second interception is bad. And the I mean, the, there's there's three plays, but three plays are ultimately what can change a game. So I guess he's been so good, we don't expect those three plays all to happen in one game. Well, to happen in one game, backed up to another game with two right. interceptions, backed up to another game with two. Because I don't think he played poorly yesterday and uh, Sunday. I think he made a, a couple critical decisions and errors, maybe decisions and execution errors. I don't think he played poorly. I think he played poorly. Okay. I think he played poorly by his standards. It's a high standard. That's an MVP standard. almost. It is. And that's the standard that he needs to be held to, because if that's the expectation, if that's the thing that people want to keep talking about him, then the bar is a little bit higher. He puts it all on himself. Also, a lot of of people yesterday were like, oh, I don't care because this was an observation of myself and many of my colleagues, the most dejected I've ever seen that guy after a game, like shell shocked, crushed, upset with himself frustrated. He knows that he let this one get away, that his whole team let this one get away. He is going to really struggle with this for Monday and for Tuesday, and then they'll try and turn the page. I do trust him. I just historically, when this guy seems to struggle, he usually figures it out. So I think, Hey, it's better to have this lull now than later. The problem is you don't want to have it now and then have it continue and get to a point where you don't get that chance to go to later. But I mean, like we saw last year, they were 13 seconds away from going to the AFC championship. They should have been going to the AFC championship and they were hosting it. Weird things happen. Von Miller. I swear Von Miller was on like crisis mode watch yesterday of just talking for five minutes straight without anybody asking him a question about how there's nothing wrong and they're totally fine. So he seems to think that they're okay. Well, We'll his perspective is super interesting. What he said was I've been here before and I got, he said, he haven't got to LA. We lost three in a row. And everybody's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, "Uh, this is what happens in the NFL. And that's right. So big picture perspective for sure. All right. So a little short and sweet here. 33, 30 bills lose to the Vikings. We'll preview the Browns and what Matt said earlier, they lose that one. Then we're having a much different discussion than we're even having now. And it's already a tough one. So uh, hopefully every, hopefully everybody has a great week leading up to that and kind of can recover and regroup and think ahead. And we'll be back on another. It's always game day in Buffalo. 
download, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify. Anything else, Matt, you just want to say before we head on out of here and get to the Browns podcast later? No, try and enjoy the week as much as you can. (laughs) I've had a lot of text messages the last 24 hours about how miserable people are about the Bills game. Just remember, it is just football. I still think the Bills are good. I still think they're going to be playing in the playoffs, and I think that they've got a chance to do it all. It's just you got to figure out some stuff. Don't worry. Big, big picture. The goal is still achievable.